plaid Sam. What's this? Sam just takes photographs instead of participating in the podcast. Are you trying to do a meme, Sam? Are you trying to do a filter? Are you putting a dancing little creature on top of it? How come there's not a better term for like what that is? Because it's not a meme and it's not a filter. It's like a like there's not like a word for that. It's it's actually it's a program that reveals things that aren't visible to human eye. (laughs) So there is actually a skeleton always dancing around your head. Yeah. But we can't see it with the human eye. It's like dog whistles. Angels and demons. <laughs> big down, big Dan Brown fans here. You guys have to talk a lot this episode because my, my, I, I, I don't have a good talking. voice and I don't have anything you to have say. You have a perfect voice for radio no, and a face voice, for radio. My voice is damaged. You have little hands for podcasting. My voice is damaged. Total, just ha- like beautiful, silky hands that can't do anything at all. You know, that's harassment, what you're doing right now. <laughs> so we were, I mean, we were going to have I heard a, uh, Lawrence and James on the pod this to, this week, right? But but their pod got canceled, so we had to cancel them. Yeah. Yeah. It's too so bad. So sorry everyone I, out there has been asking for that yeah. episode, but um, I was really looking forward to no more chatting with them, so but I guess... The crossover episode will never happen. It just never happened. This is episode 78 of Corporate Lunch, uh, GQ Styles Customer Service Fashion Podcast with Rachel, Sam, and Noah. It's um, the last episode of the decade, potentially the last episode ever because- um, every Live every yeah, episode as if it's your right. last. No one knows what tomorrow holds, um, uh, except, you know, of, of course I do. It's just, it's just another day in hell. <laughs> It's yeah. another day of big fits, long reads, and um, what was the other one we said today? Fat squalls. No pegs. We're in the midst of a fat squall right now, but um, you coming know, to you from inside the squall. We're gonna um, we're gonna make this make it through this together. Um, I want to start with uh, with a, something the great Virgil Abloh said uh, in an interview recently, which is, "Streetwear is dead." Let's read the quote. Sam, I think if I made a, if I made a billion dollars off street, where I'd be more likely to just say some outrageous shit like that too. Yeah. This is over. Yeah, that's how you talk about corporate lunch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that that old thing. So Virgil said this was in a dazed end of decade. Um, dazed interview. did a nice nice job with this package. Saw a little package. Shout out dazed. So Emma Hope Allwood asks Virgil, um, "What do you think will happen to the idea of streetwear in the 2020s?" Virgilio says, "Wow, I would definitely say it's going to die. Definitely, you know? like its time will be up. In my mind, how many more T-shirts can we own? How many more hoodies? How many more sneakers?" Well, he didn't say its time is up. He said its time will be up. So it seems as though he's not. He didn't say it's dead. He said it's going to die. And I, I mean, he's really talking about like the, like. It's like in that. Remember that she Chris didn't ask Rock, him what will no happen sex to in the champagne room. <laughs> Gemini, you're going to die. <laughs> Aries, you're going to die. Oh, no. Gemini was you're going to die twice. <laughs> <laughs> so Virgil continues. He says, I think that like we're going to hit this like really awesome state of expressing your knowledge and personal style with vintage. There are so many clothes that are cool that are in vintage shops, and it's just about wearing them. I think that fashion is going to go away from buying a box, a box fresh something. It'll be like, hey, I'm going to go into my archive. So interesting because that feels a lot to me like what's already been happening in the 2010s. I think there's a lot to unpack there. 
Definitely. Let's just open the suitcase and take each garment out individually and inspect it and talk about it. All right. Try Steam it, on, it, hang it. Give it a whirl. <laughs> give it a whirl. Take a fit Try pick. it on. Say, Think this is a top, but could I wear it as well, pants? Well, where would you start? Sam's starting with, that seems to be what's already happening, which I, I disagree with. I think people are buying like crazy. I think, no, but I I mean, people I guess, do what he's describing, but it's not like the it's not like the primary mode. It's not like, that doesn't have the same, it still doesn't have the same cultural cachet that like, buying box fresh as he says does but i think what he's thinking what he's talking about is like yeah buying box fresh has been like cool for a long time Mm -hmm. but then it became because of virgil abloh in large part like a luxury yeah value yeah right so he's talking about like what is becoming a luxury value and it may be stuff that people have been doing for a while but he's talking about like what is going to like trickle upwards I think this is his way of, of, of saying that, you know, we're really going to move towards a place where like true personal style is going to be celebrated. And it's going to be less about like, oh, do you have that new thing? But what's interesting, Sam, which is another garment that I wanted to pull out of the uh, beautiful Ramoa suitcase that is this Virgil Abloh quote. The Virgil Abloh collaboration Ramoa suitcase that we're It's clear so we can now. see everything this inside of it. This is an excruciating <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. He says that it's about demonstrating knowledge, yeah. which I think is such an interesting way to get dressed. Like, I don't get dressed to like <laughs> demonstrate my knowledge. Yeah, you gotta, it is, it does like this. But it's true. I mean, that is why it, it, it is true that like a lot of people do get dressed for that reason. And that is the why like people like box brush And you have to, this quote has to be placed in the context of like this narrative that Virgil's worked very hard to construct for himself, which is that like this whole thing is this journey. It's about education. It's about like, well, I don't really know what it's about, but it's about I think the idea is is that like there's this there's this each each time something is bought or sold, there's like a transaction that that contains an idea or like a concept or like a something. I mean, this is the way he sort of seems to envision this. So I, it, it makes sense to me that he sees there being this like future in which uh this is the only way that new new value or like new lessons can be taught and passed around is by like I don't know going back to old ones. It's kind of a big bummer though because like what you're always hoping for is like the next Balenciaga. I mean like the original Cristobal, the next Margiela, the next Isimiyaki, the next Andy, like whatever, the next Raf. But he's basically like, oh, all the good ideas are going to be ideas that people have already had, which was his Mm -hmm. idea to begin with. But now it's just like we're not even interpreting that idea in a new way. We're just presenting the old ideas. Yeah, he's never been too concerned with totally new ideas. But it would be kind of cool if the future of fashion were a totally new idea. Well, it still will be. Right? Yeah, Virgil like, can't stop that. He just I mean, thinks streetwear. Won't. There's some pretty cool stuff happening in dog clothes right now. Let's be real. <laughs> Dead though. I mean, I don't know. I sometimes I wonder if uh, what 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 people call sustainability or sustainable fashion, like what would be the ultimate expression of that? Like like decades from now, when everything is being made by people who, uh, like like. Greta Thunberg's what's her name Greta Thunberg like people who who are raised more in that sort of mode of thinking who like want to participate in this but uh would be opposed to the creation of new of anything new I mean I think like obviously I'm so biased but I do think what Maureen Sayre does with upcycling for example is a really 
um a really cool way to do that where she's using like she's going to warehouses and buying in bulk you know dead stock fabrics I think in the future, each year, everyone should be given um, tokens. Like, you get two pants tokens, one coat token. Dude, that's what happened in World War II. <laughs> Three shirts <laughs> tokens. And you have a limit to how People much People had can, to make, like, really weird hats how because, much like, none consume. of the trimmings were available. <laughs> I'm serious. We're all laughing, but it's what really happened. I mean, one has to wonder about Virgil's... Um, like what are what are what are his uh, what's his agenda here? I mean, he's got two. He's responsible. He's for two at, children at, in school. At, <laughs> he's responsible for at least two, two businesses that traffic in the kind of streetwear that that this question is asking about. So, um, I mean, is, I he, think- is he suggesting that? you know off-white can pivot to be something else is he is he does this does his answer presuppose that off-white won't even be around then because of the way you know the way he operates so he will have moved on by then he'll sell it maybe well he kind of did already but it's funny because it feels like it's coming from a pretty personal place like not so much as a commentary on like the fashion industry as a whole but just like you know, you can one sort of can imagine that Virgil is like tired of having all these T-shirts, and like what when you look at like what he actually wears on a day-to-day basis, he'll right. wear like a beat-up trucker jacket, like the same sort of like old like camo pants chrome with like new sneakers, chrome hearts jeans, whatever. As much as like this is like a, as he's trying to express like a big idea, I think he's also just expressing like his own personal um, dissatisfaction maybe with the. Um, you know with the fashion cycle or something yeah i mean the interesting thing about the hoodies and t-shirts point is that he's like you know hoodies and t-shirts like we tend to think of that as like a pretty revolutionary thing in luxury like wow that was like a crazy thing that happened over the past decade Mm -hmm. but really what hoodies and t-shirts are like a supplement to that model of there being like perfume and handbags Uh uh-huh Right. So yeah. it's right. like inaccessible. Pro- yeah. Like money makers, like yeah. products that make luxury like accessible to everyone. Yeah. And that's like what yeah. like the last decade of fashion was all about. And that's like especially what Virgil Abloh has about, been about is like upending the idea of like accessibility and who luxury is for. And it part of what really opened the doors is that like a lot of people, like especially kids, could afford to buy a T-shirt or like a pair of sneakers, even if they couldn't afford to buy like the $50,000 I mean, coat. And that's still, that's in this interview as well. And I, I just still, I've yet to hear from him or, or others who kind of share that idea that anything about this idea that like $150 t-shirt, you, you know, yes, $150 is like a, an accessible sum of money, but for a t-shirt, it's not, it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense still to many, yeah. many people, especially kids. I mean, like, I guess just making it and having it in the world is somehow like this, like a, a contribution, but I don't, I've yet to understand this, this idea of um, like the real realistic implications or whatever of like accessibility and stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have a closet full of Vuitton t-shirts and hoodies. So well, it's, but you it's wear really, every day. Um, the real luxury is the friends we made along the way. Is that, <laughs> Is that a <laughs> one crazy? I don't have any friends. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, one so luxurious. One crazy like fact that is it's, it's like a, an obvious one that we all know, but that Tommy Tun famous photo that we talk about all the time that was 2009. So that was like just over 10 years ago, and 
that to me is like a pretty amazing little pinpoint if you want to just think about how much fashion has changed this decade. It's like Virgil was like trying to get into the Comme des Garçons show at F- yeah. Paris Fashion Week 10 years ago. And now look at where we are. I mean, Instagram was like invent was launched like, you know, the year after that. You guys so. remember your first Instagram? Now he's the Comme des Garçons. <laughs> but one thing he said that was that was funny in this interview no, was, I that, don't. was that there was like no security at the comb show. It was like weird to try to go. Like no one would just yeah. go. What yeah? What year it was like was going to a hotel conference? What year did Instagram launch? Two thousand ten. In like March, I think. I don't know. I I think I got on in like two thousand eleven. I don't remember. I don't. I don't know. It was probably like a a frozen lake, and like That's a little I haiku remember. I wrote. <laughs> My first Instagram was in the spring of two thousand eleven, and it was my feet like up on um, the console of my high school radio station. Wow. <laughs> I was wearing, Sam. I think I was wearing Band of Outsiders Sperry's. Ugh. Mine was also my feet. Was it? Yeah. I bet Whoa, mine was nice. too. Feet what picks. were you wearing? <laughs> were they bare feet? I we was wearing, uh, I had some like really cool like fake alligator loafers and I was on the subway in Philadelphia. Please DM Sam Hine your first your Instagram. Your first Instagram. Yeah. Oh my God. We'll, my, my we'll first choose Instagram a winner and we'll there. send you a Christmas fruitcake. <sighs> that Sam Hine has made. Yep. Sam so Hine. make sure to also, when you send the um, Instagram, DM him your favorite Christmas pie recipe. Yep. Cake. And your home address. Yes. <laughs> and your checking account number. Uh, <laughs> what, um... All right, so so the last decade of fashion brought us um, luxury hoodies and T-shirts. That's that's what we got out of it. No. Oh, okay, sorry. No, ew. <laughs> then Sam someone is so tell good me at being a snob. I know. Someone <laughs> tell so me what. Amazing. Someone tell me what happened. <laughs> I just woke fashion up. Fashion became. I, pop I went to culture. sleep Rumble after. Stiltskin. <laughs> <laughs> Fashion did become pop culture. That's totally true. I'm, when I worked at Style.com, Dirk Standen would always say, fashion is entertainment. And um, that seemed really true and like sort of radical. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And it, and it was. There was, you know, and it that, that continued to become true. And now it's been sort of like twisted in all kinds of like weird and interesting ways. You know, like if you think about, like everyone's talking about Harry Styles right now and it's like he's... I don't know. Maybe it's always been like this, but he's such a star. But so much of his like star power and persona is like tied to not just Gucci, but like the his his um, his sort of like personal fashion universe. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I guess people like his music and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Do they? Yeah, they and do. His hair. Mm-hmm. His hair. Right. His hair. Really. Rachel, you said you claimed on GQ.com that he's the most stylish man of the decade. Yep. Which. Um, I heard Sam was really personally upset about because he thought you were going to choose him. It was a close one. Yeah. But unfortunately, Harry has more Bodhi than you. How old was Harry Styles in 2010? It doesn't matter. He was 15 or 16. Just a boy. But he was on on a... Britain's Got Talent or whatever it was. That's where... Right. Is that where One Direction came from? Like they won, yeah. They won a TV show and became One Direction. They were each individual competitors, and I think it was Simon Cowell or whoever hosts the show was like, "You should be a boy band instead." And then they were. Yes. Pretty makes it seem real easy, that way. He makes everything look really effortless, which is part of what I really like about mm-hmm. him. Yeah. What I do think has been pretty cool about 
the past decade in men's fashion <laughs> is that there are just so many men who have bizarre and intense personal style. Yeah. yeah. The only woman who has bizarre and intense personal style is Rihanna. Tilda Swinton. And Tilda Swinton, yeah. There's a handful. Yeah. But there are so many men who just wear like crazy stuff. You know what I was remembering when it was like really radical, um, I think in this decade when Drake got famous and he was always wearing a sweater. Yes. And then there was just like right. really big energy around Drake's sweaters. Right. And kind of clingy in the arms. Yeah, like they were. Loose in the body. Yeah, partly maybe because of his like body type and he should have sized up. But they also, they seemed like not quite like preppy, but it just seemed like such sort of like like, Will Smith in 2002. Yeah. <laughs> it was like real mall shopping energy. That well, was he's Canadian. That was before thing. I mean Drake never Drake's personal style never got weird, but I was just thinking about how like that was a moment that received a lot of like attention and like coverage somehow on blogs that like this sort of laughable idea that Drake was always wearing some fancy sweater. Yeah. But that's not, you know, think about how weird it got from there. Yeah, I mean, I think Harry Styles really like, you know, he. I, I agree with Rachel that he's the most stylish of the decade. I think, but if I'm out of the running, obviously, um, but I think he really like heralds this change in the way that we think about celebrity style too. Like it used to be like, oh, how do I copy this look? Like it, it was almost it was like in the way that GQ used to cover it too. It was very like how to like how to yeah. sort of copy or borrow from or um, you know pull this off like so and so. Um, and you can't even like think about Harry Styles like that at all because his fits are just so out of control. Um, and so it's so much more like of an aspirational type of, um, type of style. And he's, and like you mentioned this piece, like it's less, it's not really like no one's saying like, Oh, this, you know, we should all dress like Harry Styles, but, um, he's showing us that we actually can wear stuff like that. Yeah. He's sort of like pointing the way as you know, more than he's saying like, Oh, this is how men should be dressing. Yeah. Or this is how to not look like a slob, which I, mean, I think like we used luck. to look to celebrities to like set examples. Right. And, um, now Harry's really just like, he's moving the, um, he's sort of raising the bar in a different way. Yeah. I mean, I guess there was a long moment where it was like celebrities would wear stuff and then that thing would just sort of like sell out from stores. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that still, is that still like the mode? Like it, it still used... happens with like the Kardashians and yeah. But what are they wearing? Like, um, fast fashion or like designer stuff like designer stuff i mean a lot of their own products but um i mean also like they go on these sort of campaigns where they're like you know who's great is like terry mugler and then it's like (laughs) within a year terry mugler has like a big museum retrospective he's nude on instagram he's just nude on instagram um yeah i don't know i was just thinking a lot about like when i was covering this stuff online i think like maybe at the beginning of this past decade it would just be like kid cuddy would wear something and then suddenly everyone would dress like that everyone would have like or pharrell or whatever kanye especially even like lesser kind of like pop culture figures it seemed like there was so much like more specific not necessarily prescriptive but just like direct a direct relationship between what like what what those figures were wearing and what people were then going to buy and wear Mm-hmm. which I think is like kind of dissolved now. I think so, but I think people are still really aware of like the brands and stuff that they're wearing. And like there are certain brands that it's like, oh, that's kind of like lame. Don't wear that brand. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's true. Sometimes I come into work and I think, I hope no one asks where I got this. <laughs> because you're wearing one of the lame brands? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, Actually, we can't say that. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't say anything. No, no. I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, um, I can't think of a good example off the top of my head. But you know what I think is like could be interesting. One is that I think, you know, Noah, you talk about this a lot. And if you want to extemporize, do a little like freeform jazz. Mm-hmm. A little scatting. Yeah, I brought my clarinet in the direction of uh, why end of decade content is like so terrible, except for that dazed thing, which was like really incredible and ambitious yeah. and like perfectly executed. However, I do think it's important to like look ahead. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Noted. I I mean I have major fatigue of uh I mean end of year lists are are excruciating on their own. I suppose end of decade lists are nice in that they resurface things that you forgot about or missed like you're like, like how oh, pretty shit. I was when I was 19. Yeah. <laughs> or you're just like damn, I was like in that hospital for all of 2007 and <laughs> I missed everything or like, you know, <laughs> That was the year I was in, like, that Siberian prison, and I totally forgot all, like, to catch up on TV right. from 2009. Right. Um, you never 2000... saw that one what season, that, that even... crucial season of Mad Men where everything changed. So um, there's a little bit of that, but, you know, if you pay attention, it's really everyone just taking the same, um, like, sort of agreed upon... Uh, significant pop culture moments and and just arranging them in a different order and saying things that are like basically the same and that's people so are always like tedious. this predicted that or like yeah. this did this before anyone else did it. Um, and I just I really don't care for that. And sim- like end of year lists are always so odd to me because um, it's like it's just happened. Like this is still happening. Like this is only for the people who consumed everything the day it came out and consumed so much that their fucking brain doesn't work. Right, and they or need people to make a list like Sam th- who were born five years ago. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. That being said, I definitely end of your like- is how, This is how I'm just learning about everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like- People talk about it all the time. I bought and read like two books that were on the New York Times book reviews end of year list. So well, sometimes congrats. they're like useful- yeah, I mean, I I read a lot of books. I'm um, pretty smart, probably smarter than you guys, and probably read a lot more books than you do. So, I will say the GQ <laughs> end of year list that is probably coming out any day now is it's pretty good. What is it? It's like the moments of the year. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Oh, like we did a. I mean, two yeah. really cool and important people put that together. We um, helped. We helped. We helped. Um, helped. Helping. Looking are you ahead. Helping, or are you hurting? Looking ahead is in predictions. I mean. I think um, that. What are you guys? I mean, what are you, do we have any any decade predictions or year predictions? I think. Fa- I think we should do some fashion predictions for All the right. next decade. All right. I love Virgil Abloh. All right. Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> okay. One thing I'm really interested in is this like uh, continued interest, or according to Virgil Abloh, new interest in like archival fashion and how that is going to be like the new way to flex is like, wow, I have this like, you know, uh, like Margiela thing from his like very last collection or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think what's interesting, what's going to be interesting about that is like, 
because we already know that that's happening, I just I just wonder if there will also be a general reappreciation or like new appreciation for things that were made in an earlier period but are not necessarily like designer clothes but are just really well made. Uh, what I'm wondering is like well, old timey stuff. Yeah, like not old timey like stuff. 1920s? I mean, no, no, no. I mean stuff that's still from the 80s and 90s, yeah. but things that are from like Lord and Taylor's house brand or whatever. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I just wonder if there will be this kind of renewed appreciation for quality. Mm-hmm. That to me is like the ideal situation that comes out of this this revived interest in in you know 80s and 90s and early 2000s clothing. Yeah, I mean, like Helmut Lang, in in his like prime, wasn't just like a sort of a visionary of of what we think of as streetwear but i think he was also like a master of production and quality and he worked yeah. with like the best factories in europe and like everything he made was like which is why like fashion people i think really love it and why you still see that stuff being bought and sold and worn a lot today um by the heads like i think that's a big piece of that so yeah. it's like it seems sort of natural that if you become obsessed with like peak helmet you would start to get a little bit more interested in like how things are made and the and the the build well and even the fact the that guts. like those pieces are still around yeah. you know 20 30 years later speaks to the uh quality of the production yeah um and also just i don't know like i always think it's interesting like i have this um old jacket but that's by this brand that's like not a cool or like super fashion brand called Carlisle, which is like a brand that waspy moms like sell to each other in their homes, but they they do like Chanel knockoffs. So they make <laughs> tweed jackets that are like pretty pretty like close to what Chanel does. And one of the things that they do is they like hang the chain in the bottom of the jacket, which yeah. is what Chanel does to keep the like jacket weighted and uh like so it hangs evenly you mean it's in, built into the liner yeah you don't it's not exposed it's you can inside see it of the, uh, you can't but it's see sewn it. into the like uh the yeah. bottom of the jacket yeah um well, but I something like that. that yeah but something like that it's like oh this is so cool like this is not like a suit i mean i got it for like 60 bucks at housing works and i was like but this is such a cool sort of detail that teaches me about the the way that these things are made and why they hang and sit the way that they do. A good future, a good prediction would be um, all brands are bought and sold via um, small and intimate trunk shows. I love trunk Designers shows. pay house visits and sell their wares, like little they go parties. door to door. Yeah, I assemble mm-hmm. some of the homies at the crib. I break out the the cold Budweiser's, bowls of Cheetos, and yes. then you know the, the hottest new designer in the game cracks open the trunk and we all shop place our orders that's i think so there's my prediction trunk yeah. more trunk shows D- dtc you've heard about direct to consumer mm-hmm. how about dtc direct to the crib <laughs> yes interesting it's really good i have sort of a pessimistic one which is that i think that the no more pants the fashion industry <laughs> pants are going to be outlawed by third term president trump yep third um, leg president trump <laughs> I think that um, the fashion industry is going to sort of separate further. I mean, I think we've, we're already seeing this a little bit, but it's going to separate into like luxury. The only, basically, the only two sectors that will be super profitable will be luxury and mass, and anything in between is going to basically die out. And I think that that a historical analog to this is when um, Swatch, or is, sorry, is when Quartz watch technology sort of emerged from Japan and hit Europe. 
And in Switzerland, there were, there were like tons of independent watch brands. Um, and this was in the seventies and, and from basically the beginning of the seventies to the end of the seventies, they all basically, you know, like a thousand independent watch brands folded. And the only ones that survived were the super expensive luxury ones. So like Rolex, Patek, et cetera. And the rest all had to form like a conglomerate, which became the Swatch group. And they needed like a, basically a Swiss government bailout to survive. Um, wow, imagine and, getting bailed out by the Swiss government. Yeah. <laughs> what do they do? Send you a bunch of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's, and, and, you know, and I think to this day, I, I guess, you know, it's, it's obviously not a perfect analog, but, um, I think fast fashion is pretty akin to the courts. Um, yeah. Unless movement. we can stop. It's fast very, fashion. I feel like we're getting to a reckoning point with fast fashion yeah. though. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, think, you know, be, forever 21, forever 21 is closing. And I mean, there are signs that, fa- but I think, I think that's because fast fat within fast fashion itself, within that like sector, there was a lot of like really crazy over expansion. And, um, and I think, but I think it'll, I think even, even sort of when it sort of stabilizes fast fashion is going to keep um, you know, killing the J crews of the. Well, of I think the world. yeah, I, I think you're. I think that's totally correct. But you do also see things like you know Zara is like testing out a rental service, and like H and M is making more and more things out of like sustainable cotton and like recycled mm-hmm. materials. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think I think I think all, all those brands are starting to reckon with the fact that like politically, environmentally socially they're like they like don't really work yeah i also just wonder what's going to happen with like the shipping industry you know yeah, because i think have to be that's local. kind of the a, a lot a one point that a lot of people make um in the sort of discussions of uh renting clothing yeah. like the clothing rental sort of ideas that it might be you're you're perhaps um treating clothing in a more sustainable way but you're still getting stuff delivered someone did a i, I can't remember who it was but someone did an article where they were discussing mm-hmm. sort of like environmental impact of i mean i think it clothes. i think it make i don't see i i hear what sam is saying i don't see any to me like there's a a promising future for independent brands who build small and loyal followings and who are are consistent and high quality and it's sort of like maybe what like the food industry has done or something where like the the more people care about what they're consuming and how they're consuming it and where it's coming from and how it's being made and how it's getting to them and the relationship between the maker and themselves i think there's um you know b- brands will figure out more independent brands will figure out ways to survive by building their own small market and and doing you know direct to consumer sales and working with like wholesale accounts that that care to like sort of keep that alive but but how are pants gonna fit big small really big wide super narrow i think they might high low i think they're gonna be really long just dragging (laughs) like we're gonna be walking on our pants they're gonna be like long tubes i think bondage stuff will come way back bondage straps how sexy do we think menswear is going to get? I don't know. People keep saying it's going to get sexy, and it does, and then it sort of like pulls back. I don't know. I think it's gotten as sexy as it's going to get. Yeah. It's going to get I more think we're modest gonna see from like here. A 
conservative counter reaction within fashion. I don't think it's going to get more modest. No low rise jeans for men. I wish like women's wear would get less dorky. Do you think that, <laughs> do you think that like corporate bros, do you notice how corporate bros wear like really tight, like stretch chinos? Do you notice that? You see it like oh, around yeah. here, like really tight chinos in right. like in like slate blue yeah. or like and olive then the director green. of cats like edits out their penis every yeah <laughs> they're a little obscenely tight like you can see their little like uh like panty lines like the the, the boxer brief lines in the middle of their thigh because their chinos are too tight yeah i think that's gonna have to stop <laughs> that seems it's not sustainable i think there's a lot of i think there's a lot of bad habits that trickle that are like now that have consumed like casual um business casual america which is the new mode right like everything got really casual which led to this like explosion and popularity for like jay cruz of the world to come in and be like no guys like wear your chinos slim and wear your gingham shirts like this and where you know and like that sort of took over and there became this very like sort of de facto uh ready-made um mass market like air quote stylish guy kind of like mm -hmm. vibe that um feels pretty oppressive now and like something we, we really need to break free from yeah. i think everyone um in the ideal future um the ideal future scenario and um my optimistic prediction is everyone just sizes up one size tops and bottoms and shoes shirts and pants no, don't <laughs> size up your shoes there's nothing worse than seeing a guy whose shoes are obviously too big because he's like embarrassed to ask for the size nine instead of the size 10 at the shoe store that's the problem with the tight chino guys is that they all wear they all size up in the shoes their and size shoes down are, in the pants it's crazy <laughs> Which that's could such be a like tight, a real look that's yeah. such but, a tight chino guy thing to do yeah. yeah it's also like a martine rose collection or something yeah um i think bot i think men are gonna get really into like I mean, I've sort of been predicting this, but like beauty and body modification in a serious way. Body modification? Yeah. Like split tongue guy? No, but just like more like piercings, ears, noses. Sam what really wasn't around know. for the 90s. He thinks that I, that's going to be like Sam, a new thing. It's a 10-year cycle. I'm not, saying, this, no, 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 I'm not saw, saying that it's new. I'm saying that it's going to happen. I once saw... Dude, I'll give you $100 to get your eyebrow pierced. A like okay. wedding show on, you know, TLC... And this is like not even 10 years ago. Like, don't go chasing waterfalls. No, no. Okay, the but learning when... channel. Oh. But this, this couple both had their whole bodies, like everything on their body was pierced. I think I've seen this actually, and which is amazing. I thought you were they say decided tattooed. that they wanted to get married by being hoisted oh, yeah. I've up seen that. I've by seen that. their body piercings. Yeah. They were going to hang in the air over all their guests. That's disgusting. It was so metal. It was, was really cool. Crazy. And it was all about like training so that their skin could like pull and they could like <laughs> kind of maintain yeah, that's, that's what i'm talking about normalcy. That's, we're gonna do that's a wild prediction i mean i mean you know all the every famous person has like a face tattoo these days and i think men are getting more every into, famous person has a face tattoo. that's true you know uh rappers are painting their nails and i think if um, i ever got a people have cool haircuts it. i would do it directly on my face in the '90s, all the, like obviously this was happening in the '90s, but it wasn't seen as like a, a hallmark of good taste in the '90s. It was seen as like gross and grungy. Well, there, I mean, there wasn't really good taste. It wasn't a good taste. wasn't like a concern of the '90s. Yeah, what was that? that kind what of... was that like? Because I wasn't alive. I wasn't born yet. 
I was just a little. You have to watch the. Um, you have to watch the Pam Anderson Tommy Lee sex tape to understand. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so you crack the code. <laughs> the last movie, I think. Well, not the last movie. This isn't right. But like in the good, good taste was like an '80s thing. Yeah, in the that's '90s, right. it like didn't exist. Yeah. But the the um, American Gigolo is like a great mm, movie about good, good taste. Um. But you also think you're you're t- you're um, tying male beauty into that. Yeah, like I think people, are, dudes, are gonna like wear dye makeup. their hair, bleach their eyebrows, wear makeup. They already do that. Not in any, not in like a. You think the Tai Chino guys are gonna start wearing eyeliner? They should. Honestly, maybe. Yeah, probably they will. It'll be like a status thing, like a power, a real power move. I think those things obviously like happen in New York, but I think what I'm talking about is like a more mainstream. I think wave. that like teenagers do that stuff everywhere. Yeah. And they're going to grow up. They're going to go to car- college. No one's going to yeah. go to college. That's my prediction. College is over. Higher education is done. Betsy DeVos killed it. <laughs> um, I think people how gonna... that Bernie Sanders is going to pay for it. We don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's free, and the government wants me to do it. No, thank Hell you. No. I think I think people are gonna make a lot more of their own clothing. Yeah, DIY. The next decade. Yeah, My mother used sense. to make a lot of her own clothing. I think that's the other thing too is like people became less attuned to how clothing was made because mm-hmm. they weren't making it. You know, you could just go out and buy something in like a fast fashion. I think like people are gonna take place. a lot of like. It'll be fun to like gather your friends and go take a sewing class. It's like a drink and it's like, you know, like the watercolors and wines. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Drink and That's sell. crazy, you but you, you should sew. start that business. That could be a good That's idea. That's a nice business Nobody idea. Nobody steal this. Yeah. Just a nice sleek business idea. What are your guys' um, 2020 fashion resolutions or style resolutions? Change nothing. Continue excellence. Yeah, maintain excellence. Maintain excellence. I mean, if you feel excellent, then you should definitely resolve to maintain well, one thing it. i'll i actually have been working on which i'm now eager to do uh m- with more purpose is brand blind dressing uh-huh like i think Explain. it's important if you're like oh i know that like levi's makes the best jeans for me and i'm like loyal to them or like yeah. i really like pants by the row so yeah. if i can get like some nice pants by the row that are on sale like i'm probably going to try and make that happen because i just know they work for me but I do really like this idea of just trying to find the best thing that you like and not really being aware of like who made it. That's hard to do though. How do you even achieve that? I don't know. Yeah. But it's a it's a good idea. I mean, I do it in part because I have a lot of stuff that I've had for a long time. Yeah. Before I was like buying cool things. Like mm-hmm. the crazy green silk suit that I wore yesterday is like something that my mom got by this defunct brand that was sold at Nordstrom in the late 90s. Uh-huh. And she just like kept it. And there's like, I mean, there are like a couple pieces that this person made on Etsy, but like otherwise it's not really available. And that's like the coolest suit I've ever seen. It's a really dope suit. I don't have a style resolution yet. Can you guys think of one that I for for me? My style resolution is I want to finally start wearing berets. It's funny you should That's say that. It's pretty straightforward. What's holding you back? You don't, just don't own I just one. Haven't, I just don't own one. Actually, I, I, gave do own you one, one. I do own one that you gave me, but it's a little too tight. 
It like hurts my head. It hurts his Two years head. ago, I went to Paris and I bought berets for all my closest friends. Not me. Well, did I didn't run in. I think I did have one for you, but I didn't you run into you. And I gave else. it to you. No, I, I think Rachel I got me the perfect, the perfect beret and aubergine. I mean, I've been wearing. And, and uh, Mordecai said it was like a beautiful beret. It is a beautiful beret. And you're just not wearing. I it have a pretty big head for no good reason. Yeah, it's maybe not I'll try. Big. I'll see. It's not that it's big. Tight. Your head. What? Your head isn't that big. Don't be so. You can't tell by looking at it. Yeah, your head looks like a way normal shape from here. Well, the shape It's bigger than the microphone, but... It's true. You know, (laughs) so is mine. Um, What... I like your hat thing that you've got going. Yeah, I've got... I've got a lot more hats. Insane collection of hats. And my resolution, I guess, will maybe be to continue on a path I've already been on for for a minute, which is more... More handmade clothing, more more custom made one off handmade clothing by people that I have like direct relationships with. A more intimate experience. I respect that. That's really great. I recently had a hat made by my friend Yuski at um he works at Dover Street. That's how I sort of got to know him and he does some amazing knitting and crocheting and he made me a big crazy knit merino wool Russian hat I've been wearing. You know, all everything I wear is going to be um, handcrafted for me out of the finest materials. I don't know. What a, this <laughs> That's is great. A, That's cool. Yeah. I actually, I, like I, 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 I want to resolve to dress more like Noah Johnson, not aesthetically necessarily, but Noah has such a system that's really beautiful where like everything in his wardrobe sort of works with everything else. And I feel like I'm not, I don't really have that. I have a lot of stuff that like, I, I have to like pick a direction in the morning a little bit and, and that kind of decide like decides for me what I want to wear. Cause a lot of stuff that I have just doesn't work with other things. Cause I have like, I don't know, but Noah, I feel like Noah, um, Noah's closet is very, well, um, what we've seen of him, we don't know what else it. we don't know. We don't know how one many nation under the groove. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything gets down together. All of Noah's clothes are like friends with each other. Yeah. All two hundred of his hats. The hat, the hat collection is. I think you should resolve to get rid of some of those. Is out of control. Yeah, I mean, I'm always kind of getting rid of things. Um, I need to do that more. So, maybe I'll do a giveaway. Um, Rachel threw a really good um, corporate lunch, Christmas brunch last weekend. Corporate brunch. Yeah. Um, thank you for all the fans who tuned in. Thank to the you for Instagram the stories to watch that. Thanks for tuning in. That was um, a real hell of a send-off to the decade. It wasn't actually. It was just a nice Christmas brunch. It wasn't really like a... Yeah, don't read too much into it. When they drop the ball this year at Times Square, is the ball going to be like different? Is there going to be many balls? Are there going to be 10 balls? Well, you know what's exciting about 2020 is that you can finally wear those glasses again that everyone, you know, like the two, oh, two zero, zeros in the middle. Two yeah. zero that right. you could wear 10 oh, years ago. Oh, what a yeah. relief. Not since F. Scott Fitzgerald have we been able to wear those glasses. <laughs> 2010 was the last, the last good New Year's Eve glasses year. All right. Well, that's good to know. I mean, so we'll definitely be starting off on a, on the, with the right kind of, um, symmetry. I wear, um, it's been a great year. I could cry. 
Uh, should we do some vibes? What time is it? All right, folks, the squall is over. The squall has subsided. It's looking clear out, and I'm, I'm feeling clear and clairvoyant. Let's Clean, do some vibes. clear, and under control. The final, final vibes of um, the decade, for whatever that's worth. Sam, you want to start? Yes. Um, my first vibe is eucalyptus. Get that shit for your apartment. Yeah, we have a It'll bunch. make it smell so good. We have so a we bunch have some branches in our shower. Yeah, we have branches in our shower too. Really? I had never I didn't know that, that was a thing that you could do. They you look, sort of tie them to the to the shower head and hang yeah. them down. It's really lovely. So uh, we have some eucalyptus in the in the living room in the shower. Yeah, you can buy that shit at like Whole Foods, huh? It's sticky. Yeah. Um you can smoke it and you'll uh no, you can't smoke <laughs> it. Don't smoke eucalyptus, I'm kidding. My vibe is plaid pants. Yeah. I've been wearing plaid pants. Plaid pants are tricky though because then sometimes you you see another person in plaid pants and they try to like give you a head nod. It's kind of like some people think all plaid pants are the same. Like we're wearing the same pants. But you're like, I mean, no, they're just both plaid. Plaid's just a color. It's like two people with blue pants don't have to like shake hands and have a little summit about it. I would actually say like blue pants would be like, whoa, you're wearing blue pants too? But yeah. plaid pants is like, yeah, don't there's a me. whole spread of different plaids. It's not a color. It's like an idea. I got some nice, I'll name, I'll drop some names. I got some really beautiful wool plaid pants from Hurtling. And then I got some, um, uh, Jimmy Gorecki's standard issue is doing this amazing, like heavy kind of rugged plaid. It feels like canvas. I don't know what it is. It's cotton little plaid sets i got a hoodie and and little drawstring pant from him in the new plaid and it's pretty fly they're kind of like lounge pants but kind of like sturdy lounge pants rachel do you have a vibration honey (laughs) yes as a snack in tea (laughs) i put it on my face manduka what do you put? Isn't it manduka, manduka honey you put on your face? Mm-hmm. Manduka? Is that what it is? Yeah. But it's cool. Then you like are sitting around and you're all sticky. Oh, that sounds so <laughs> awful. It's cool. It's really nice. I like honey and brie on a cracker. Or yeah, like that's any, such a nice any little cheese snack. and honey on a cracker. No, it's lovely. And those sticks. Have you ever had the sticks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a good, winter's a good sort of honey season for some reason. A hot toddy. You put honey in that? I put honey oh, sure. in it in a hot toddy. Oh, yeah. That's essential. I never get... You guys get hot drinks at bars. Now's the time of year when every bar in New York has hot drinks. They have like a spiked cider and a toddy. Mold wine. A mold <laughs> wine. Yeah, I never get them. It always seems kind of suspect. Like A good glass... You have to know where to... Like, I'm sure there's really, good ones. A really like sickly sweet mold wine is probably the worst vibe. Ugh, but if you can get one sticky. that's like... That just has like a little, you know, there's cinnamon. Dead bees in it. Orange peel, like cloves, like not too not too much I sugar. I feel like maybe it's at like good. a nice ha- nice winter cozy house party, maybe over the break, you're at a house party and there's some homemade mold wine on the stove. But mm-hmm. not at like... Not at the bar where they pump it out of one of those like catering coffee pots. I don't want anything that comes out of a pump. Yeah. <laughs> no pumps 2020 um, when I was in LA the other week I went to a cool show at Moran Moran Gallery 
um, and it's with Kiko Kostadinov. Oh yeah. Who has a little um, show up where he created his sort of signature overcoat um, out of cycling jerseys and other kinds of like weird upcycled fabrics that he found. He has a signature overcoat. He does. I forget what it's called, but it's the notch lapel, like three or four button. Yeah. Um, kind of like mid calf, like above the knee coat. And he had them all sort of like artfully installed around the gallery, so they look yeah. kind of sculptural. And yeah, it was not- sort of this. Yeah, it was this kind of cool arrangement um, with some like little sculptures that he made with um, these weird like Georgian workout like things that he found like weights or whatever Um, and like mugs and his sort of like and some of these like pieces of hardware that sort of show up throughout his collection. Um, I thought it was cool and just like a nice, uh, I don't know, it's like every time artists and fashion designers collaborate, it feels a little cheap these days, but it was nice to see the fashion designer really like just put his stuff in the gallery and say like, you know, this is what it is. This is what it is, yo. Uh, my vibe is those um, Italian Christmas cookie towers you get at bakeries. Oh my God, I love those. I will eat any kind of Christmas cookie, but I especially love the classics. And the the best, the king of them all is the pignoli. What's that? It's kind of like a chewy round cookie with pine nuts on top. And it's almond flavor, which is sort mm. of misleading because of the pine nuts. But that's the deal. That's where it's at. Pignolis. Send me your pignolis. Mail me. <laughs> send me a box of pignolis to, um, you know, um, attention Sam Hine. He'll he'll get them to me. Rachel, do you have another vibe or no? Um, this is your last chance. It's 2019 for just mere hours. Oh, you know what's kind of fun? When is this episode going live? This week? Tomorrow? Maybe tomorrow, yeah. Watching cartoons on a weekend morning. What's your favorite cartoon? Well, I would say... Ren and Stimpy? The thing I really like is... Um, Cat Dog? What's Opera Doc? Which is... <laughs> an old Looney Tunes where um, Bugs Bunny dresses up as a woman and uh, tries to seduce uh, Elmer Fudd. And it's all opera. And is it's this, amazing. How old is this? Is this like black and white and, so, and silent? From the early 60s. No, it's not silent. They do you, sing. Do they you sing like opera. take acid and watch this or something? No, you just like have a little coffee and you sit in bed and you cue it up on the old laptop. <laughs> There's also a really good one where Bugs Bunny is a very um, intense conductor and he's yeah. conducting a man singing opera and he raises his hand to like get the singer to you know sustain a long and powerful note and then there's this amazing sequence where Bugs Bunny like sort of sneaks off stage but the glove stays in the air and he like runs around and like does a bunch of activities and gets into a little trouble and then he comes back and puts the glove on and drops his hand I mean, Looney Tunes is just, I mean, that's the best stuff in the world. There's a Cab, <laughs> there's a cab Calloway. There's a Cab Calloway uh, uh, Looney Tunes. Well, I guess it's not a Looney Tunes, but it's a cartoon by a cartoonist named Fleischer. Um, and uh, it's very trippy. He sings, um, I don't, I think it might be Minnie the Moocher, but it's, it's, you know, drawn and choreographed in this really far out way. It's really cool. Nice. Sam, bless us with a, another vibe. 
Um, Another one of your beautiful vibes. My next vibe is um, the Gil Scott Heron Jamie XX album, which came out in 2011, and I recently rediscovered. Yeah, that was such a long time ago. And um, maybe the album of the decade. I feel like we all sort of forgot about it, and um, I hope that 2020 is Jamie XX's return. Is all I'll say. Yeah, where's but the that new album Jamie XX rules, music? Then? And um, everyone should go check it out once more. Um, my vibe is this amazing children's book. Um, I don't know how, how well known it is, but I think it's a pretty famous book. It's from, um, well, it's kind of new actually. It's called The Way Home in the Night. It's Japanese. It's by Akiko Miyakoshi. It's this amazing dream-like book of this like mother rabbit carrying her young bunny home through like dark city streets and putting her to bed. And like one of the the final two pages, it's, the text is something like some nights are special and other nights are ordinary, but every night we all go home and go to bed. It's sort of like spooky and poetic. And it's a beautifully illustrated book. If you have any children to get Xmas presents for or adults who like children's books because they're weirdos, get um, The Way Home in the Night. Someone should make a movie out of it, a cartoon. Probably already exists. I'd watch it in bed in my laptop. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more vibes, Rachel? That was like the most wholesome vibe of all time. Yeah, that was a really wholesome that was really vibe. Nice. I know. I feel like I ruined it. That's why I had to scream like an asshole at the end. Oh, after I um read reread all those Edith Wharton books, I watched the Martin Scorsese Age of Innocence, and I highly recommend it. It's good. Michelle oh. Pfeiffer's best role. Daniel Day Lewis is like probably number three role. Winona Ryder's so amazing. Real backstabbing surprise. Was that on a, a streaming service? Did you have to go to the library and rent the DVD? <laughs> um, no, I went to my local neighborhood blockbuster. <laughs> I got to the front and I was like, Age of Innocence, handed over the box, and they sort of opened it and it like wasn't rewound. They so they're like, we have it. to put it in this, you know, the little machine where you rewind it. I waited nearby. Did they scan your blockbuster? They scanned card? my card. A, b- a guy named Keith. Um, Sam, have you ever been to a work blockbuster? At Pizza Hut. Yeah. Scanned it for me. Have you ever been to a cockbuster? <laughs> Keith was like, "Oh, uh, you know, if we don't have Saving Private Ryan, you can have it for free." That's the deal. Remember that? Remember when they were like, if we don't have it, you can have it for free? Everything used to be like, if we don't do it the way we say we will, you can have it for free. Like Domino's, like if there takes longer than 20 minutes, you can have it for free. Wasn't that a thing? Yeah. That was really tight. If this episode of Corporate Lunch doesn't satisfy your every need and desire, you can have it for free. Unlimited. Wow. Unlimited listens for free this, this really is, is the number one customer service podcast this is episode 78 but if you liked it you have to venmo, venmo us all five dollars oh that's right i don't that's a demeaning amount of money <laughs> sam i don't want five dollars out of here What's i want your price? 15 um um um, um shut what up great, what a great decade of corporate lunch guys these 10 years have been amazing yeah 10 years of corporate lunch celebrate with us we'll be in times square uh, to ring in the new year with Ryan Seacrest and um, Lucy Hale. D- no, Dime Square, not Times Square. Yeah, Dime right. Square. We're going to be dropping balls on Dime Square <laughs> um, around noon on like January 2nd. So uh, <laughs> see you there. See you next year. <laughs>